Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Go ahead and get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Leave that up there for a second while I tell you just a little more about that series. Um, Really what that series is about, it's about learning to choose your response to situations and trusting again. And, and, And it's about standing on the truth and having hope during times of peril the reality of second chances. So I hope you'll join me next Sunday as we start this brand new series called Impossible. Also, while you're continuing to find that, Matthew 27, 45, because you need to follow along with me here in just a second. Uh, I want to... Uh, I, I want to just mention that we're having something really special coming up on Mother's Day. Do you realize Mother's Day is just really a few weeks away? So we're doing something very different that morning. And, uh, and we're going to, to have, a, have a bunch of tables, a bunch of tables in here. And it's going to be set up and reserved for those of you who, who decide to come to breakfast. We'll have a 9 a.m. breakfast. Now, the tickets are available already on the City Life app. You've got to get your ticket so we can reserve a table for you. And when you buy those tickets, buy them in groups. It's $5 a person, no matter what your age is, $5 a person. And so we'll be able to seat you together and it'll be a special, a special time honoring mothers at a Mother's Day breakfast. A bunch of guys in the church have said, we're going to come up and make breakfast for the ladies because we, we love to honor the women among us. In fact, that's the name of my sermon on that. That's the title of my sermon on Mother's Day is honoring the women among us, because I think that's something that we do definitely to need to do. We're going to get it off to a good start with the breakfast. So you can go ahead and get those tickets while they're, while they're available. Get them now and, uh, and get yourself ready for Mother's Day, all right? Well, today's message is entitled The Empty Tomb. Uh, it, this has been part of a series called The Greatest Reset, and that series, of course, is wrapping up today before I start the Impossible series next week. Uh, and, and it's been about several of the miracles that surrounded the greatest reset of all times, which lets us know that God is fully in control no matter what you see going on around you. And, and, and what God has done, you have to understand, God is the creator of everything. And God can take what he created, but then reshape it, and, and he, can, he can make it different. And that's what he did through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet, and his name is Jeremiah. And he tells this, this story of when God sent him to go see, to watch a potter and to learn the illustration that was happening there. And, and he watched this potter, and this potter had this, this, uh, this, this, this pot that he had been making, and, uh, and it was fractured. It was messed up. It, it, it just wasn't quite right. And so what he did is he pushed it back together, and he remade it. And, and he reset it, just like what God did through Easter and through the resurrection and the crucifixion, which is the greatest reset. And, and that lets us know that, that, that you know, when, when sin entered the world, when, when sin came in, it messed things up. It messed up the perfect world that God had created. It spoiled it. It bent it, kind of like that, what that potter was working with. But God didn't just throw it away, kind of like the potter didn't just throw the clay away. No, what he did is he, he reset it 
and he provided a way, God provided a way for creation to be reset. And during this reset, all kinds of incredible miracles happened. Over the past couple of weeks, I've talked to you about some of those miracles. One was the, the unexplainable, inexplicable uh, darkness that happened for three hours. Uh, literally, it says the sun stopped shining, and it wasn't an eclipse, and, and it was happening as the sin of the world was put on Jesus. Another miracle that happened was this massive temple veil was torn from the very top to the bottom, and that would have been an impossible but what it did is it gave access to the most holy place, which is the presence of God. Another one of the huge inexplicable uh, uh, miracles was the miracle of the earthquake that, that happened at the very moment he exhaled his final breath. And it's when his spirit departed his body and his spirit went into Hades to set the captives free and he got the keys to death and Hades from Satan. I'm glad for that. But that caused an earthquake when that was happening. And another one of the miracles was all of these tombs just started opening up all over the place. And there are a few more miracles. I'm talking about those today, and I'm excited to share this with you. But the bottom line, the very simple truth uh, of, of all of these miracles is this. Regardless of how you feel today, God has not abandoned you. I'll say it again. God has not abandoned you. And some of you, that's exactly what you need to hear today that he has every single thing under control, even though things may look out of control. So regardless of what you're going through, God is present and God is active. Why? Because of the cross and the empty tomb. So let's go back and take a look at what happened in the greatest reset. I asked you to look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter number 27, verse 45. I'm going to read this to you. It says, now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, which would have been 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now look down at verse 50 in your Bibles. It says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, rocks were split, and tombs were opened. And many bodies of saints who had fallen asleep, that means they, had, they, were, they, were, they were dead, they were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, move forward to chapter 28. Look at verse 1 in your Bibles. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that would have been a Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to, the t- came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook from fear of him, and they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. For I know you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified, but he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying and go quickly. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. 
And so they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, rejoice. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. I love it that Jesus is not buried in Jerusalem. He's not there anymore. He has risen from the dead. And when you really get that into your spirit, you can't help but want to do what these women did when they saw Jesus just to literally fall at his feet and to worship him. You see, there's a reason why we worship God the way we do here. And maybe you're not accustomed to it. Like, well, why are you so happy? Why are you lifting your hands like that? Well, it's because the empty tomb changed everything and it activates within us this desire to worship. See, the risen Savior declared to the women, he said, rejoice. He just said one word, rejoice. And they couldn't help themselves but to rejoice. And, and uh, see, after meeting Jesus, these women ran ahead and they went to where the rest of the disciples were. And, and then Peter and John had that foot race. They started racing to the tomb. In fact, uh, in John chapter 20, verse 6, it says this. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And they saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Now, that's actually significant because in reality, that sounds like, okay, whatever, but it's there for a reason because in all reality, it's inexplicable. See, Jesus' grave clothes were what they were. They were linen wrappings, and they, they were just simply lying there. Now, I've seen a lot of movies and, and I've seen a lot of artwork that show the empty tomb and there's this white sheet that's kind of laying and thrown all over the place and, and it's hanging like halfway off a stone slab. In fact, I think I even shared a picture like that on social media. But I just got to tell you, it wasn't like that because when you really study this, you see that something very different happened. Now, according to the customs of the time, what happens is they would have put a cloth over the face of the deceased person. And then after that, they would begin to wrap up his entire body like a mummy. Do you understand that? They would put spices in and all of that, and they would wrap it up very, very tightly. And so the question is, how did he get out? He didn't just start unwrapping. No, what happened is his, is his risen body literally passed through those, those strips of cloth, that, 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 those mummy wrapping, so to speak. And they all just stayed there in their original position. Now that was a miracle. That's why they looked at that and goes, wait, what's going on? And then they saw the face cloth of Jesus. And the interesting thing about that is it was actually neatly rolled up and set over in a separate area. So there was no doubt to Peter and John that something miraculous has happened as they gazed into the empty tomb because that's the moment they believed. Now, what this does to me is this speaks to me about the supernatural power of our Lord God that's, that's, that's actually built into the fabric of the universe. And it overrides pain, it overrides suffering, and it overrides death. See, resurrection is real. You don't have to be concerned about what's going to happen to you after death. And I like that. You know, your eternity with God, it can begin today as you gaze into the empty tomb. He can resurrect you spiritually today. 
Um, but he also will resurrect you physically one day to the people who have already been resurrected spiritually. Now, I, I know, I know some of you might say, well, 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 okay, maybe Jesus could be resurrected because, you know, he's God. So, okay, I, I'll believe in that, but, but uh, I don't know. So, so, but hold on for just a minute. Something else happened around Jerusalem in the cemetery after Jesus was resurrected, which gives us hope that we will also be resurrected. You see, remember what I read earlier. These graves, they were opened as the spirit of Jesus exited his body when he was on the cross. And, and we, we read about these open graves, but they remained open because it was a Sabbath. And in that area, no one was allowed to work on the Sabbath at all. People were, were uh, they were forbidden to do any type of work. So all those graves would have remained open and nobody would have even come back to attempt to repair them until Sunday, which was after the Sabbath. Thus, it was a setup for this incredible resurrection miracle of the deceased righteous people that were in the area. And these, I believe, were obviously people that were already looking for Jesus the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. (laughs) I mean, that's unbelievable right there. And it wasn't like the walking dead either. I know that might sound freaky to you, but and, and it's, I don't believe it looked like that either. So here's what I want you to do. I, I just want you to think of the most godly, wonderful person that you know who has died. Uh, you saw the body. Uh, you attended the funeral. You saw the person buried. And uh, from the time they were buried, you have not seen them again. You haven't seen them at all. But all of a sudden, they come walking through those back doors, and they just come and sit down next to you. (laughs) That would be crazy, right? Well, that's actually what happened in Jerusalem. And and what we read earlier makes it really, really clear that all of these people, they came alive at the same time right after Jesus was resurrected. So it wasn't just Jesus that was resurrected that day. Now, you can't explain that away. The Spirit of God He can and he will resurrect you. He'll resurrect you spiritually. And if you experience that spiritual resurrection, you will also experience a physical resurrection. So a message that I get from this that comes to me loud and clear, and and, uh, I can't take credit for this line. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. How do you like that? Now, a lot of you, you, you've been out to Arlington. I, I, some of you may live in Arlington, and that's, all, that's fine. As long as you don't live in Dallas, ah, you know, we pray for you over there. But, but there's, this, there's this place out on I-30, and it's called Ripley's Believe It or Not. And, and you, you, if you drive by there, if you've never been in, if you drive by there, you know, you know you are curious as to what's in there. And I was curious, so I, I decided to go. But, but I have to tell you, everything in that place, everything in Ripley's, believe it or not, it totally pales in comparison to what happened on that resurrection morning when Jesus rose from the dead and all of a sudden all of these other people come walking out of their tombs alive and they weren't smelly and I don't believe their clothes were ragged either. I think they were just kind of walking around looking good. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this. Take a look at this. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus dwells in you. So that's spiritual resurrection. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your 
mortal bodies through the spirit which dwells in you. So those of us who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we will also rise again. And, and I like this because it says that, our, that we will be recognizable as to who we were, what we looked like. But at the same time, our bodies will be re-engineered for eternity, just like the body of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. That's pretty awesome. That means no more doctors. I'm sorry, if you're a doctor, you're not going to have a job after this, all right? No more doctors, no more hospitals, no more pain, no more aging, no more suffering, no more viruses, no more COVID, thank God, you know, no, no more cancer, no more no more sunburn, I mean, no more sleep deprivation, whatever it is, thank Jesus for the empty tomb because that will be us. First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 53, Paul speaks about our perishable mortal bodies and he says, this perishable must put on the imperishable. That's, a, that's that new body that we'll receive. But this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about a saying, so people will start saying this, death is swallowed up in victory. And I can actually begin to say this now because any time there was a prophetic word in the Bible, it was always present tense. So I'm not saying death will be swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. And you and I can receive that. And Jesus was resurrected. And we know that we will also be resurrected. And that's pretty awesome. But I have to put this in here. It's only for people who believe. Do you believe? Uh, will you believe? I was recently just kind of grieved in my spirit because a, a minister who's even from the same stream as me, he, he, he said this recently. He said, you know what, Christians? We don't need to see people's beliefs change. We don't need to see that. We just need to love them. Well, I, that might sound fancy and nice and might have even gotten applause, but that's just wrong. And sure, we need to love people where they are. Absolutely, I'm all for that. But if you don't change your beliefs, then there is no resurrection for you. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now look at this. He who believes, say believes, believes in me will do what? Live. Will do what? Live. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and what? Believes in me will never die. And then Jesus said it again. Now he put it as a question. Do you believe this? I beg you to answer yes. I mean, we must believe in the power of the empty tomb. And the only way to eternal life and the only way to that personal resurrection that God has for us is through Jesus Christ, case closed. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, I want you to know this. He is the only one who can put your life back together again. He's the only one who has the power 
to help you change and to grow and to become the person that you're actually destined or designed to be by God. But the greatest of all is that we have eternal life with Jesus Christ. Now, church, I'm a person who believes, and if you've been here through this service already, you know I believe in the power of God to heal, to heal our bodies, to deliver our souls. I believe in the power of God to bring us peace, to provide miraculously for our needs and to protect us. I believe in the power of God to give us purpose and to deliver us from uh, afflictions. I believe in the power of God to heal our emotions or even restore fractured relationships. So I say a hearty yes and amen to all of that, wouldn't you? But these are provided for all the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. But hear me well, Christ didn't just redeem us so that we could have healthy bodies and we could have, be happy on this earth. I mean, that, that wasn't the purpose. That wasn't the main purpose. God redeemed us so we could live together with him for eternity. I'm glad for that. And the cross and the empty tomb, they're there. They are there for us to see as an example, as, to, to stimulate our faith as well, because without the cross, without the empty tomb, truth be told, we would all die in our sins and then we would spend an eternity under the judgment of God. Now, prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 53, verse 6. He says, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. I mean, everybody, everybody. Come on, you've all messed up, right? (laughs) Right, right, you have, you have. Each one of us has turned his own way. That means I'm going to do things my way. I, I'm going to create my own way of doing things. And that's a, that's a big thing in culture. That's a big thing in our society. Well, I'm just going to create my own way of whatever. But it says, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. So he took all of those sins of us going our own way, doing our own thing. He took the punishment for our iniquity and as a result, we can be totally forgiven. Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 says this. It says, come now. I like this. Let's, let's reason together. Let's, in other words, let's think this through. And I want you to be a thinking people. I want you to Think through this. And not just, now sure, experience the emotion and the power. The, but I also want you to think through this. So it says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Here he says it. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be like wool. You see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, uh, he paid the penalty for all the sins we have committed. He also paid the penalty for every sin that has been committed since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and when, when we trust him and when we believe in him, we receive forgiveness of all of those sins. Now, this is huge. This is huge because God took those who were, as the scriptures say, at enmity with him, and he turns them into beloved children. I want you to think of the person that would be the most hostile person in your relationship, and you just want to stay totally away from them. You see, that's enmity. But God looks at that, and he says, I'm going I'm to fix this, and I'm not going to just have that. I, I, I want to make you my child. 
a complete, total reversal, a great reset. That's what God does in people's lives. I mean, I, I want you to get this. I want you to imagine this. The omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful God of the universe, he took us who were destined to hell in our sin, and he turned us into his beloved children. And that's what happened because of the cross and the empty tomb, and it's a big deal. I know it's, it's easy for some just to toss out the resurrection and the empty tomb and say, well, you know, this might just be some kind of religious superstition. And, and what it does is it kind of like placates people, certain types of people who need that, who need that comfort, and it kind of helps them out. But I'm telling you here, we all need the cross. We all need the resurrection. Don't, don't lie to yourself. You know, there's, there's no deceit that's as potent as self-deceit. Now, you can, when you begin to think about the cross and the empty tomb, and you say, well, I don't really need that, then you're actually deceiving yourself. You see, rejecting that, what happened in Jerusalem that weekend, would be the most horrible personal loss for you. Truth be told, you can lie to a lot of people and get away with it. But when it comes to yourself, you lose. So Jesus came to welcome you out of self-deceit into the realm of reality, the reality that you and I are desperately in need of a Savior, and he offers you salvation through his death and his resurrection. You see, what Jesus Christ did on the cross and through the empty tomb helps me to know that God is here, God is present, and God is active. You see, if my world seems to be falling apart and, and everything seems to be shaking around me, I know this much. It doesn't mean God is absent. It doesn't mean God's ignoring me. It doesn't mean he's punishing me. I simply recognize this, that the cross and the empty tomb are evidence that God is with me and with you as well. If things get dark in my life, the miracles that I see that happen in Jerusalem over that weekend, uh, it reminds me that I don't have to fear any shaking. I don't have to fear any darkness because God's in control. So the truth be told, we, we, we need a rescuer. We need a deliverer. We need a savior. So one of my challenges today is for everyone to take a good, honest look at yourself and recognize the evil that's within, the sin that's within. And then take that sin, take that evil and just lay it at the foot of the cross. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. And, and just simply say, God, I don't want to have any part of this anymore. I want you to be sitting on the throne of my life. And I want you to give me the power to live a life that pleases you. See, Jesus himself said these words. Some of the most quoted words that are in the scriptures. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his 
only begotten Son, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world. No. But that the world might be saved through him. And he, he who believes in him, that's the key, he who believes in him is not judged. But he who does not believe, well, you've been judged already. I mean, it, it's already set for your future because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see how significant this is. The greatest reset can happen in your own life. And truth be told, when I read that scripture, I just, I I think about this like, I I don't want God's judgment. I don't want to perish. I want eternal life. So the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb is what I choose to believe in. So I pose a three-word question to you. Do you believe? Do you believe? I like nobody looking around right now. We're going to move into a time of prayer for the next several minutes. And first of all, first things first, if you want to see the sin erased out of your life, if you want to see, if you, if you want to break from their past, if you're ready to take that stuff and throw it at the feet of Jesus, right at the foot of the cross and say, no more, I'm, I'm done, I, I need a Savior. I believe, I believe. You're ready for God to do a great reset in your life just with nobody looking around. I'm gonna ask you at the count of three to just lift your hand for me because I wanna see your hand. I wanna connect my faith with yours. And then we're gonna pray together. We're gonna believe God for the miracle of salvation in this house. So when I count to three, just lift your hand up high until I see it. One, two, three, lift it up, lift it up, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hands down. Anyone else? Want to go forward until we thank you. You can put your hands down. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this with me. Church, I want you to pray this as well for those who are making the choice to give their lives to Jesus right now. Let's let's pray this together. And congregation, pray this. But it'll, it'll encourage the faith of those who are praying around you as well. I'll say this. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe in the cross. I believe in the empty tomb. I believe in your resurrection. I believe in the name of Jesus. So take my sin. Forgive me. Wash me in your blood and make me a new creation. I want the old to pass away. And today I embrace the new. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, first and foremost, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm I'm going to ask you to take one of those next cards and mark on that that you gave your life to Christ today. Would you do that? And please take it to the next area following the service. And uh, 
He's going to give you a Bible and some other stuff and help you get moving on in your journey. Another thing, if you lift, if you prayed that prayer and you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to make what I call a six-month commitment. Make a six-month, and I take the, the six-month challenge to be in church every day and every Sunday, once a week, and watch what God does in your life. Watch how things change and shape. But I also know that there are many of you who are here right now, and uh, you have friends or loved ones who don't know Jesus. And maybe you invited them and they didn't come. You've been praying for them. You interact with them. But they're far from God. I want us to pray for lost friends, lost family members, lost, lost loved ones right now. I want us to pray for people who are, who we, we, we don't know where they are, but, but from the outward evidence, they're heading toward, toward an eternity in hell. Can we pray? Can we pray? that God will send his conviction to those. If, if you know of anybody that you want to pray for, would you just lift your hand all across this room? Because my hand's up. I, I know of a few people I want to pray for. And I want us to, to begin to pray and just begin praying for them by name. Pray for them by name as, as I pray right now. God, God, we pray together for, for friends and for family members and for loved ones who are not in relationship with you, that, that should they perish, it would be an eternal damnation. God, I pray for the conviction of God to be on their hearts and in their souls. Lord, I pray that, that you will work that miracle of salvation. God, put people in their pathway. Lord, just just work miracles behind the scenes that, that give them dreams and visions, God. God, let them encounter situations where they call upon the name of the Lord. So we pray for their salvation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Now look here. I, I don't want us to also forget something else. That when Jesus walked out of the tomb, his body was healed. I mean, we know he had the scars. They were there. But his body was healed because he was dead and his body was healed. Completely healed. See, if he can resurrect you spiritually, which is what that prayer was about just a moment ago, he can also resurrect you physically, which is what the scripture says will happen. If he can do those things, he can also heal your body. He can also work other miracles that you need in your life as well. And if you need a miracle today, maybe it's a miracle of healing. Maybe it's a miracle of, of an emotional uh, a fracture in your life or, or, or some, some deep pain that you're walking through. Possibly it's a financial crisis. I don't know what it is, but God knows. But I'm going to ask us to lift those things up to him right now because my God is a God of miracles. And I want us to call on his name right now for miracles. So if you need a miracle in your life, if you need a miracle, lift your hand high. I've got my hand up. I need a miracle. Come on, let's pray for miracles. God, God, right now we pray to the God of miracles, the resurrected God, and we pray for miracles. God, I pray for sickness to be healed, for infirmity to be healed. I pray for spiritual deliverance in Jesus' name. I pray that, uh, that, that you will bring restoration to relationships. I pray, Lord, for those who are dealing with, with overwhelming depression and just can't even pull themselves out. I pray for a miracle that their bodies will balance out and, and for, for a miracle to happen in their bodies. God, I also pray that you will bring restoration and wholeness. God, I pray for financial miracles. God, I pray for overwhelming amounts of peace. 
Lord, I, I thank you, God, that you are present and you're active in our life. See, we do have eternity, yes, but we also have you for the here and now. And we believe in your power to heal us, to, to work miracles in us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.